This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. We think that you are probably aware, dear listener, that this is not a program that is live. Were we a live program, we would require a huge staff to do things like, well, insert sound effects. But in fact, since Mr. Merlin gets to edit these things, we can later add in those nice little touches. For your listening pleasure, we hope. It so happens that as we sit down to record this week's program, we do not yet know the results of Super Tuesday. At least, not right this moment. By the time we're at the end of the broadcast, we will have some answers, and so therefore we're going to defer some of our political talk till the end of the hour. I do want to note it was with great pleasure I tuned into Michael Krasny's great program on KQED, KQEI Forum. You probably know it. And on the Tuesday morning show, he had on Kim Alexander. She of the California Voter Foundation, who has made numerous appearances on this program. We think we are grateful for the fact there is such a thing as the California Voter Foundation, given all of the chicanery that's taken place uh, in the art of voting over the last couple of decades. And she had a lot of good things to say uh, to Michael Krasny, who we've also been privileged to have on this program. I mean, yeah, it just felt like old home week on KQED the other day. We do feel like plugging their website, calvoter.org. It's uh, got a lot of good information on there about voting in general. We refrained from saying too much about the election on last week's show, figuring to be smarter to wait. And boy, <laughs> things have changed in the last week. I'm holding in my hand a, a copy of the newspaper from uh, after the last Democratic debate. There were seven people on the stage that night. But uh, given events in the last few days, we could cross off Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. So, as Agatha Christie might have said, uh, and then there were four. Well, there are still, I think, more than four. I don't know if Marianne Williamson's thrown in the towel yet, has she? I believe that she has. I don't know for sure. Oh. One thing that the remaining candidates have in common is age. After I mentioned on last week's show that uh, Bernie was 78, Mr. Mill looked it up and said, well, so's Bloomberg. And Biden's what, 76? I did have to laugh at a headline from a Warren supporter. Under an article titled, California Could Be Warren's Lifeline, one of Elizabeth Warren's spokespersons expressed hope for Warren's performance, saying, otherwise, it's back to white men who are 70-plus. To which we'd have to add, uh, yeah, and, and one white woman who's 70-plus. It wasn't that long ago that Ronald Reagan made headlines when he was inaugurated at age 68, becoming the oldest man to assume the presidency. These days, old Ronnie would be a spring chicken. Anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk about politics in our second segment. Let's instead talk about medicine. I think there's been some interesting news in the medical field of late. The chance to stop the coronavirus from spreading around the world, well, the opportunity for that was missed. It's popping up everywhere, and it's going to continue popping up everywhere. The good news, bad news joke about corona is that it seems that, like influenza, a lot of people contract the disease and don't even get sick. That's bad news from the standpoint of stopping the spread of the disease, but it's simultaneously good news in the knowledge that it, it, it isn't as deadly as the statistics might indicate, since a lot of people get it and don't even know they have it. The stats from China 
and China, we believe, is, is not necessarily to be trusted, are that 81% of the cases are mild versus 2 plus percent that are fatal. But it may well be that there are vast numbers of people who have contracted coronavirus and don't even know it. Now, if that number is two or three times what we suspect it is from mild cases or moderate cases, well, that's still going to be a rather nasty fatality rate. But it's probably not going to be the catastrophe that a lot of people fear. When the President of the United States was informed that tens of thousands of people in the United States die every year from influenza, boy, was he surprised. And doggone it, we're back into politics again. A friend of mine posted something on one of the social media sites about Trump, Trump's planned actions. I then inserted what I thought was a very Trumpian statement. I said, we're probably going to get a vaccine for this very soon. Probably the best vaccine anyone has ever developed anywhere. To which my buddy responded, I had to Google that to see if it was a real quote. But wouldn't you know it, I had to post an apology a few hours later when I actually heard Trump's press conference on the issue. I said, I apologize for making him sound more competent than he actually turned out to be. (laughs) He said things like, we really have done a very good job before announcing that Vice President Mike Pence was going to spearhead the effort against the virus. And we have to pause to note, Mike Pence, the guy that says that smoking is not all that bad for you. Also, global warming is a hoax. And he doesn't believe in evolution. Yeah. This is the guy we want to put in charge of the scientific efforts to combat coronavirus. Mr. Millen is pretty sure that thoughts and prayers are probably not going to get it in this particular instance. Sounding off on this was the Miami Herald's Leonard Pitts, who said the markets, not surprisingly, were not reassured. Nor were health officials. In contrast to Trump's litany of vague reassurances, the CDC, whose budget Trump wants to slash, by the way, said the stateside spread of the disease is inevitable and advised Americans to brace for significant disruptions. And as we search for some, uh, some reasonable advice about what to do, we would cite an article by David Fickling from, from Bloomberg.com, who said that on a personal level, we need to follow some basic practices, hand washing, keeping hands from faces, well, good luck with that, but do what you can, limiting contact with busy surfaces like elevator buttons, and keeping basic supplies and essential medications on hand. This is reasonable, but yours truly did travel to San Francisco last weekend, and after discovering that I'd run out of waterless hand cleaner, you can imagine uh, the laugh I got when I walked into CVS and asked if they had any. Now, pandemics are a part of life, you know, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Experts have been saying for quite some time, as have we on Radio Parallax, that the U.S. and other countries need to spend vastly more money on pandemic preparedness. I can't confirm the number at at the moment, but I've I've read that the amount of money set aside to fight epidemics from the CDC was $500 million. I think we spent that in the Iraq War like every 18 hours. Now, Radio Parallax is always looking for independent sources for information. And from one source which we would judge as reliable. We have not firsthand, but reliable secondhand information that things are way worse in China than they're, they're letting on. We have another source of secondhand information, which we assume to be reliable, which we're going to go to uh, uh, a little bit later in this segment. Anyway, let's take a break from this and instead go to the good, the bad, and the ugly.
According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for modern fairy tales. After armed robbers who made off with more than $320,000 in opioid pills from a Florida pharmacy were arrested by police who simply followed the breadcrumb-like trail of empty pill bottles thrown from the windows of their getaway car. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for the First Amendment, or perhaps people's concept of the First Amendment, with the news that a New York woman, who falsely reported that she'd been the victim of a racist assault, is appealing her conviction, saying the lie was free speech. Asher Burwell claimed in a 911 call and also on Twitter that she and her friend were jumped by an N-word shouting mob back in 2016. Surveillance video showed otherwise, but Burwell's lawyer argues that if lying on Twitter is a crime, someone would have to arrest our president immediately. Well, we don't completely disagree with that statement. And while we admit to not being constitutional scholars, I'd have to say that if you activate emergency services on a 911 call with a big old lie, you need to be held accountable. Mr. Milano opines that that is actually false reporting, not lying per se. This does remind us of that great line from Gary Shandling about how a whopper he told his girlfriend uh, caused her to break up with him. He said, yeah, when that space shuttle landed and I wasn't on it, God, we miss Gary Shandling. His fake late-night show was the greatest of all the late-night shows. Of the live shows, we'd have to say we, we miss David Letterman the most. And although I may spoil the day of, of several of you by mentioning the following, I can't help but note that I realized a couple days ago that Johnny Carson had a 29-year run on late-night TV, comma, and he's been gone for the past 29 years. I sent that in a text to a friend of mine, and man, he texted me back a whole bunch of curse words. A point of clarification. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson has been absent for 29 years. I'm sure a number of you are contemplating the fact that the gap between 1962 and 1991 seems like a lot longer time period than 1991 to now. Yeah, well, if that upsets you, I guess you just have to deal with it. Anyway, continuing along with the good, the bad, and the ugly, we'd have to note it was an ugly week last week for timeless classics after President Trump complained at a rally in Colorado that a film from South Korea, Parasite, won the 2020 Academy Award for Best Picture. Trump asked, can we get Gone with the Wind back, please? Which caused the week to comment that he was referring to the 1939 film that caricatures slaves as happy and simple-minded. And speaking of ethnic stereotypes, we did a show many years ago on one of the most insidious pieces of propaganda ever put out against one particular group of people. This was the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, an absurd piece of propaganda that shouldn't have fooled anyone, but did. I chanced upon a copy of Henry Ford's The International Jew, originally published, I think, sometime around 1920, and in thumbing through it, realized that Henry Ford was apparently taken in by the protocols of the elders of Zion, believing it to actually be the plan the Jews had to take over the world. Ford was roundly criticized for this, and rightfully so. We'd all have been better off if Henry had stuck to building cars. In fairness to Henry, I would note that I first learned to drive on a 1928 flatbed Model A, which my grandpa used to have out in the orchards. I love that truck. 
We've got a phone interview lined up we're going to go to momentarily. But Mr. Milne tells me I've got about 90 seconds of filler to put in here. So how about this? If you ever ponder the question of whether at the time of the dinosaurs there were cave-dwelling cockroaches, you will be delighted to know that we now have an answer to that question. A specimen of amber was obtained from Burma from rocks known to be 99 million years old. Shows us that midway during the Cretaceous period, when the last dinosaurs were still walking on Earth, there were cockroaches that bore the unmistakable anatomy of cave-dwelling creatures. The cockroach in question was pale white, having lost its pigments. Its eyes and ears were drastically reduced and had a particularly long antenna, which presumably helped it navigate in the dark. The insects were also missing leg spines. Cockroaches usually have these to protect against predators, but evidently there weren't any in the caves. How did a cave-dwelling cockroach wind up getting trapped in some tree sap? Well, that is a question we still don't have an answer for. Last year, we came upon a story in The Economist magazine about a man in Toronto who was producing video blogs. His name is Wen Zhao, and his blogs are about current events in China. They're conducted in Mandarin. They reach large numbers of people outside China and perhaps inside as well. The Economist article mentioned that Communist Party media have been trying to extend their influence abroad by buying Chinese language newspapers or by reaching deals to provide them with news. Since Mr. Wen's commentary does not follow the party line and may be penetrating the Great Firewall, as China's system of online censorship is often known, his views are not always appreciated by the government. On this program, we often speak in support of those who will speak truth to power. So we decided to reach out to Mr. Wen and see if he might join us. Although he is a busy man, we're happy to note that he has agreed to speak with us, and we're happier still to be able to finally say welcome to Radio Parallax, Mr. Wen Zhao. Hi, Doc. My pleasure to join your show. The article didn't mention what your background was, Mr. Wen. What can you tell us about uh, about your background? Um, my background is very simple, actually. I immigrated to Canada in 2005. And before that, I got a philosophy degree, a master in China. And um, after immigration, I worked part-time for a Chinese TV station named uh, New Tang Dynasty as a political commentator. I started my YouTube channel in 2011 yeah. and daily updated uh, update uh, video every day since 2017. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very curious what led you to think that you should go ahead and produce some independent commentaries on current events in China. Uh, well, you know, Chinese Communist Party's influence overseas is everywhere. Um, in Western world, uh, Almost every Chinese media, there are, uh, there is Chinese government influence behind it. Behind it, yes. Newspaper, television, uh, almost everyone. Only a few independent Chinese media outside China, like SecretChina.com and the New Tang Dynasty and EpochTimes.com. Just a very few of them, but their influence is still are still uh, limited. Yeah. So I just want to speak straightforwardly what I think about what's going on in China 
and uh, how its influence really works over the world. So, you know, YouTube channel, social media, the most amazing part is you can reach your audience directly. You don't have to be censored or approved by an editorial team like traditional media, you know. If you want to work with uh, traditional media, you have to have connections to them. Um, a traditional media like a TV station or a newspaper, they have their uh, familiar authors, and you have to work very hard and a very long time to build confidence and uh, trust between them. Yeah. So it's a little bit a little bit hard to me because I have no very strong particular. Uh, background, like a PhD degree, or work in a, a large media group, so the social media is good to me. I just uh, need to open a, a YouTube channel and a web camera and just record what I think every day yeah. and the broadcast. Uh, I have no expectation how many people would like to see it. I yeah, just that, was, it. that was my next question. You really don't know how many people you're reaching. Uh, right now, every day, uh, averagely, each video has 4,000 K, okay. I think, views. Yeah. And uh, uh, over nearly 500 K subscribers to my YouTube channel, of my YouTube channel. And I guess what we really have no way of knowing is how many people that are inside China may be watching what your, your, your blogs. Approximately, I think, 20%. Okay. Uh, you know, Chinese people use VPN to... Uh, cross over uh -huh. the firewall and uh, go to the internet outside China. But uh, you have no idea exactly how many of them. Uh, in the creator studio of YouTube channel, you can check the traffic source of, of your viewership. But you cannot exactly know how many from China. But uh, based on the uh, estimation of my comments, you know, under each video, mm -hmm. I guess about 20 to 30 percent viewership okay. from China. Yeah, well, that, That's great. I have to ask, do you, do you have any fears of the Chinese government? They don't appreciate uh, independent analysis. They're famous for that. Uh, uh, do you have any fear of the government? No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't. Maybe Chinese government should fear me instead. <laughs> Well, do you, do you have any plans to, to have some of your opinions translated into English? Because I know that you broadcast uh, strictly in Mandarin. Right now, I have no time to do this. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, you know, the YouTube channel—they have that function to translate the Chinese subtitles to English. Yeah. Well, Mr. Wen, I, I wanted to ask you about the, the current trends in China. The biggest news out of China now, of course, is the coronavirus outbreak. And I'm especially interested whether you have any information about that, which might be of interest to our listeners. The Chinese government cover up the real data of how many people infected and how many people died of it. Uh, exactly, that is what is happening. But, uh, uh, you know, it's very hard to get the uh, very exact number inside China. But... Uh, um, Based on the general understanding of Chinese government, what it did in previous disasters, I think uh, the Western people should know the number released from the mainland China uh, is 
much uh, underestimated. Maybe 10 times, maybe 10 times. Underestimated in terms of the total number of people who have uh, gotten the disease or the number of people who have, in fact, passed away from the disease? Uh, both. Both. Exactly, both. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, uh, many people, they infected. They are not, uh, adopt, uh, they are not uh, uh, get the treatment by the hospital. They, even worse, not get the tested uh, to confirm whether they, are, whether they were infected. So, so many people died out of the list, out of the, you know, out of list. And there are so many videos uploaded to internet showing people died just on street. They wandered, then they fell down. You know, I don't know whether you have uh, watched such videos on internet. I have not. And uh, you do not, you can search on YouTube. Okay. So many videos about it. Many people, they died in home, and the government sent, uh, sent their staffs to uh, take the bodies. All those deaths are not uh, counted in the list. Right. And I hear stories that the Chinese government, through the quarantine, they've been very aggressive in how they quarantine people, make them stay yeah. home. That may be killing people off, too, because they're not able to get food and, and, and able to get supplies they need. And, uh, you know, some people, they are infected, uh, they cannot go to the hospital. Hospitals have no enough bed. So in staying home and uh, their family members got infected as well. So uh, that is a very mm, severe situation, especially in Wuhan city, which the, uh, where the, the, the virus started from. Well, even before the coronavirus uh, crisis, there's been a lot of, uh, of, of issues between the United States uh, and, and China, trade war, things like that. Are you optimistic that um, we'll be able to work through some of those problems? I think the U.S. government, the first thing, first thing it should do is to stop uh, complement Chinese government, such as uh, President Xi worked very hard and they are so efficient. Uh, that is uh, what Chinese government need exactly. They need some, some support from other countries to maintain its cover up within the China. Um, I understand the U.S. and other countries should cooperate with Chinese government because they want to get uh, accurate information from China uh, to evaluate whether the uh, epidemic is over. But uh, the truth is the uh, first thing of all. And more pressure to um, Chinese Communist Party, more pressure is uh, it works better, I think. Okay. Well, my next question would be, are there some policies the U.S. has adopted toward China you think that maybe we need to rethink, that maybe we're doing some things that we shouldn't be doing, the U.S. government? U.S. government dealing with Chinese uh, Communist Party, I don't think it's uh, uh, that proper. Facing the Chinese, facing the Chinese Communist Party, if you um, try to demonstrate you are neutral or you are uh, concerned about its feelings, that means uh, that. Uh, also means you have to compromise 
what you uh, really need. If you need the accurate information, uh, you, uh, for example, that if the U.S. government wants to get accurate information uh, from China, they should demonstrate its persistence of sending its um, expert to China, a medical expert to China, right to the Wuhan city. They should persist it. Well, do you think the Chinese government will allow that? I mean, that sounds like a good idea. Do you, do you think they will allow it? Of course, they own, they own a law. Uh, but if uh, U.S. government insists more, mm-hmm. it will increase its negotiation power. But if from the start step, uh, you compromise. You say, okay, I understand what you're feeling. I want to cooperate with you. I want to put your... Uh, demand uh, at the first stage over what I need, that will give Chinese government more bargaining power. So that is the way, you know, that is the way how to deal with the communist regime. Well, I wanted to also ask you about, uh, there's a lot of people worried about uh, Xi Jinping eliminating the presidential term limits. Uh, Are you fearful of that? Uh, I I don't think it's a key question. If the Communist Party staying in power in China, there is no Xi Jinping. If there is no Xi Jinping, there will be another dictator. So the key problem is uh, understand what Chinese Communist regime wants and uh, should stop it, extend its influence over the world. Because you know the Chinese Communist regime, they get more and more confident with its power growing. Uh, if you expect another leader will be better, that is, that is an illusion. Power, the nature of this regime is to extend its influence over the world and to take over the leadership of the world. Mm-hmm. That is what it wants. Okay. I want to ask you about technology in China. The Chinese are very advanced in how they monitor the population of China, especially the Muslim minority in the western part of the country. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? I mean, a lot of people are very fearful of, of how other countries may imitate China. That is a part that the western countries should, should uh, give their efforts, because so many, uh, so many components of the Chinese uh, products, you know, they come from Western world, their technology, and some key parts of their uh, products from the from U.S. high technology companies. The U.S. government and the U.S. Congress should exert more restriction on those supplies. Okay. That is uh, what can be done uh, at the first step, should be done now. It will substantially reduce the pressure of Chinese people's that feeling right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mr. Ren, we appreciate your speaking with us. Um, I suppose some of the people listening today may also speak Mandarin and could benefit from your blogs. Where can they find them? On Facebook, I have a page of Wen Zhao Comment. And on YouTube, uh, just Wen Zhao Official. Okay. So the audience can, can get the information about me, about videos, all my videos uploaded to YouTube, just Wen Zhao Official. For English uh, audience, so they can understand my video blog by the, using the CC subtitle translation. Again, I appreciate you speaking with us. I, perhaps as this coronavirus um, 
continues to sweep around the world and you have some insight as to what's going on in China, perhaps we can speak with you again in a couple of months. Um, me too. I think so. Wen Zhao, thank you very much for speaking with us again. I, we appreciate what you do, and we hope you will keep up the good work. Thank you, Doc. My pleasure to join your show. All right, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. When we come back, we should have some more news about the election.